Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen, and to my right, caught him sleeping a little bit there, it's Mr. Tyler Guthrie. How's it going today, man? How's it going with you? Just another good weekend of racing in the NASCAR world. Nothing to talk about in IndyCar or Formula One this weekend, so just a lot of NASCAR content. Tyler's basically going to be swallowing his mic this week because he got a new mic, but He's missing the cord that he needs to hook it into the computer, which he's going to hopefully get this week. So for now, to kind of alleviate my editing woes of trying to raise all of his audio, um, he's basically going to be licking the mic all night. So um, don't mind him. It's it's okay. It's normal Tyler behavior. Just, just let it go. Pretend like it's not happening because it, it's not. And if you ever need an XLR cable, don't bother. You're not going to find one. <laughs> Apparently. Basically, yes. Um, yeah, he needs an XLR to USB and can't find it anywhere for some reason. Because he got the wrong mic. He was trying to get the same mic as I was getting, but apparently did not get the one that I got that actually has a USB input on the back of the mic. So uh, F's in the chat for for Tyler and his mic woes, but hopefully we'll have that resolved next week and Tyler won't sound like he's 10 miles away for the whole recording. And maybe I won't have to swallow the thing that shows up on my computer as a blue snowball. I mean, better than swallowing a yellow snowball. Those are the worst. Do not, <laughs> do not touch the yellow snows. That's right. Oh. <laughs> so, Let's get into uh, the racing from this weekend because there were some uh, cars going around in circles this weekend, um, that being at the Phoenix Raceway. And uh, those were some races. Um, yeah. Phoenix it's, sucks. It, it's Phoenix. The sad thing is, and we were just talking about this, I think this was the best Phoenix Cup race in a while, and it still wasn't even that good. It was just, eh. All they did with the reconfiguration of Phoenix was make it so that more cars can be next to each other, but they're still not able to pass, and it's just, there's not enough banking or something, and it's just, it, it's weird to me to see cars just make a beeline for the pit road exit wall, and it, I don't know, it, I don't think the racing at Phoenix was ever really great with the way it was before, Except for, you know, like the Gen 4 cars and the car tomorrow, which it actually raced pretty good pretty much everywhere by itself. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I agree. I don't think it was ever great at Phoenix, but I do think it was better when they had the grass back in the dog leg and you couldn't do the whole fanning out thing. Because, sure, it's exciting for a couple laps on the restart, but... Outside of that, it just accentuates how bad the rest of the race is because once they get strung out from that, there's not much going on ever. So, also, apparently it can result in the top four cars in the ARCA race getting taken out at once. So, Yes, that can happen from situations like that with, with very unexperienced drivers. Don't want to knock on Connor Jones too much because he has very little experience in these cars, so I'm sure it was just it was a trademark rookie mistake basically so don't really want to harp on him too much for that but it, it was a mistake uh when you come right down to it and i i think it'll be a learning experience and hopefully uh connor jones does uh improve from that and learn 
um, maybe a little, I don't even know if it was spatial awareness, but um, does learn from that situation. Definitely seems like another one of those racing deals that happens when you have a track that's like 700 feet wide in some places. Yes, that will happen when it's when it's that wide and it closes up so much because there's not nearly as much room as there is in the dog leg as there is entering turn one to where you're actually going to make the corner. You can't just go along the inside of the dog leg and then stay along the inside wall and make that corner work. It's not going to happen. You've got to come back up the track at least to about the top of the apron. So there's much less room entering turn one, much less usable room than there is going through the dog leg, and that's where you come up with situations like that. Now, while we're on the ARCA race, um, let's talk slow cars. Again. We, yeah, again, I feel like this is an ongoing issue. We talked about this at Daytona. I've talked about this in the past. What is happening with the slow cars in ARCA? Like, come on now. What, I, I need some clarification on what minimum speed in ARCA is. Because that's two races this year where very clearly looking at him and how fast he's going, A.J. Moyer is going slower than he should have been going on the track and has caused an accident two out of two races this season because he's going too slow. The closing rate between him and who hit him? Christian Rose in turns three and four in this race was substantial, way faster of a closing rate than it should have been. And it's ridiculous that they are allowing a car that slow on the track to continually be on the track. He was able to continue racing after that accident. I saw him back on the track later in the race. There's no excuse for that. If he's making minimum speed... Minimum speed is too low. And I'm tired of this whole, oh, we don't want to exclude anybody from coming and racing with us. If they're being a danger to the racing product, then they shouldn't be out there racing, plain and simple. Well, and I think you got to define racing. I don't think racing is just driving around and making laps. I know for some people to get experience, yeah, it's a little bit understandable, but there's a section in the closing laps of the race where they're focused on the leader going around lap traffic, and all the lap traffic stayed on the low side, kept the racing line, and the leader just whipped by him at like 20 mile an hour faster than the rest of the lap cars. And it almost looked like we weren't even watching NASCAR anymore. It was almost like watching LMP1 cars go blowing past GT3s at Le Mans. It, it's just, it works for endurance racing it doesn't work for nascar when you're on like a mile and a half short track well this this isn't even a mile and a half it's it's a mile so i mean you're closer quarters than even that and it's just i especially doesn't help a phoenix with the big old dog leg on the back that you start getting cars fanning out 13 14 wide and all of them are going different speeds they all come back together and turn one. What are you supposed to do when the car in front of you is doing 15 mile an hour slower than you are and you're trying to make the corner? I mean, there's just, right. there's no escape. I just, I don't understand. I, I, I keep going back to this whole ARCA mindset of we don't want to turn anybody away. We want everybody to come and race with us if they want to race. Well, that's fine if they're actually racing. If they're not just out there logging laps 
that much slower than the rest of the field. At that point, they're just a hazard. And I'm and I want to be clear, I'm not harping on every non-major team that's in ARCA. There there are some really good underfunded drivers out there putting up some good results. We saw Greg Van Alst win at Daytona. Andy Jankowiak is always very competitive when he shows up in ARCA. Sean Core is always extremely competitive when he shows up at Daytona and Talladega. There are guys that are very underfunded that come out there and are actually, they may not always be competing for the win, but they're at least up to speed and they can have their own little race there in the mid-pack and sometimes be competitive and get up there in with the faster cars. But then there's this group of cars that are just out there to log laps that are just like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy that I'm in a big national NASCAR race. And those are the ones that cause the real problems. And I just, I don't understand how that's acceptable. Yeah, and I wish there was like a different program because I know ARCA is kind of just the road to NASCAR at this point. Other than, there's other routes to get to NASCAR. But if you're going for stock car racing and you're starting out, you're probably going to be looking at ARCA, either East and West or Menards. But I wish there was a way to get everybody in competitive equipment so that way the equipment is not the question. It's the driver and how well they're doing. And I, I think I don't want to be the iRacing fanatic and be all simulations of the future, but it would be interesting to see. I know they have NASCAR-sponsored simulation series, but it'd be interesting to see more structured series that gives you the same equipment on a simulator that you can all race against each other with, and that way when you go to the track and everybody's in different cars, you know it's the drivers and not the teams or something along those lines. I just I don't like seeing te- drivers in slow cars that are getting pinned down because the car is just not fast. There's nothing they can do about it. You know, I've had that thought in the past, and I've brought that up, and I've gotten shot down pretty quickly with it, as my thoughts tend to do. Um, But I've had the thought that maybe we should have one or two races a year that are, like, sanctioned points races on iRacing or some sort of simulator platform. That would allow us to, one, like you said, put everybody on this kind of fixed setup to where you can really see who the who the truly good drivers are. But then at the same time, it also allows us to see racing on tracks that we may not be able to see anymore. Like up until recently, North Wilkesboro would have been a good example of that because they're on iRacing and... Up until the last couple months, we didn't think that was ever coming back. But maybe put put a cup race on the virtual Nashville Fairgrounds or something like that. And you can do that with ARCA, too. Um, and maybe you don't even make it a points race. Maybe you just do a couple of exhibition races for ARCA here or there to kind of prove your point of showing who really is good outside of the limitations of their equipment. So I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't know that anything's ever going to come of it because I've suggested it in the past and have been told that's not feasible. But you know what? I don't think that would be such a bad idea. I mean, going about the structure and everything of it to get it even to work in the first place would be a bit of a challenge. But I just remember 
when NASCAR had to go to iRacing because they couldn't go to the actual tracks for a little bit. I remember seeing Timmy Hill just wipe the floor with a bunch of the cup guys. I understand a lot of the cup drivers don't do online simulations and stuff like that. But but I'll bet you if they knew they had one or two points races a year that's on iRacing, they'd do it a hell of a lot more. That way they were ready for it when it came around. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I did think it was interesting to see cup drivers that they're in the same series as a lot of other drivers that we hold just high and mighty to everybody, but they were very competitive when given the same equipment. And then you see Timmy Hill. I, I'm not trying to rag on Timmy Hill here at all. I like Timmy Hill. But you saw him get back in the actual cup car, and he's not racing for a competitive team. And even though he just showed against a whole bunch of other really good drivers that he's a good driver, he's still getting lapped because the equipment's just not fast. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's my frustration with the lower nascar series because in a lot of other racing series in the world the lower series tend to have pretty similar equipment and the indy light series has always been like spec cars obviously you're going to have some parts that aren't spec but for the most part spec cars driver on driver as long as you can get in it's all you need to worry about but then you have arca where the i can't even tell if it's the car or the driver but I, I want to say it's the car because I don't want to say bad stuff about the drivers like that. I don't think I don't think that any driver can get into a stock car at that level and be 20 mile an hour slower in the corners than the guy leading the race. It's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, the thing with Arca is it's I think it's more spec than what you realize, but there's still a lot of disparity among the teams because. One, they all have essentially the same body, but some of those bodies may be older than other bodies, so maybe they're not quite as aerodynamic as a brand new one. And then technically they're supposed to be regulated. Everybody's supposed to have an Ilmore engine, but some of these underfunded teams maybe can't afford an Ilmore engine, so they just get whatever engine they can afford which I think is a lot of the issue with some of these slower teams. They're just buying whatever they can afford, and it's just not a fast engine. So it really becomes an issue when they're on track. But, again, that's another thing of ARCA kind of instituting that the Elmores have to be a thing, but at the same time, uh, we want everybody to race with us. So if you don't have an Elmore, you can still come race with us, even though you're not really racing if you're 40 miles an hour off the pace of course with arca a lot of it could be car setups i know they can't change the car setup during the race very much i think they only get the one chance when they pit halfway and that's correct right yes yep but when you're not able to make adjustments on your car and you're going off a practice session there's not really if your car sucks your car is going to suck the whole week and there's not anything you can do about it i think it'd well, be interesting okay. to see like spec setups even with these cars i take that back they could if they wanted to come down and make adjustments on pit stops but they're not allowed to change tires or fuel except for on the brake caution that's the only time okay. they can change tires or fuel but they could do wedge or whatever if if they wanted to during other cautions but the problem is there you're throwing away all your track position just mm -hmm. for a wedge adjustment that doesn't make sense right but yeah, it's... I think spec like setups for cars would be kind of interesting. Have somebody 
like a not maybe not appointed, but like a driver that's very well respected in the NASCAR organization get in a car and tune it the way most drivers would want it and then just say this is the setup for your car this is what you need to run and that way the equipment's pretty much the same too i think that'd be an interesting route yeah no i i think that's a i think that's a pretty solid idea as much sense as i think it makes i don't know that they'd ever go in that direction oh no i don't expect them to <laughs> yeah uh, but I would like to see that. Um, I think that would be a great idea. Um, will they ever go in that direction, though? Uh, it remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I don't know. But also, um, on the ARCA race, I want to give a shout-out. I, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom with ARCA. I, <laughs> there's a lot of people that seem to think that's all I do with ARCA is complain about ARCA. Oh, no, the ARCA this, ARCA that. I, I'm just negative Nancy over here with ARCA. But, no, I want to give a shout-out to Tony Bridinger. I have been very hard on her in the past and just ragging on her. And to be fair, she's not run well up to this point. She's had maybe very slight glimmers where she's been decent up to this point, but for the most part, she has majorly underperformed in that Venturini car. But I want to give credit where credit is due. She ran a fairly solid race on Friday. Now, was she a race win contender? No. Well, I don't think she was ever in the top five, but she was in the top 10 all night in fairly stacked field we had more competitive cars in this race than what i expected us to have because usually the west cars don't tend to stack up well with the main arca cars and the east cars generally the east and the main arca cars when they run in combo races are generally a lot faster than the west cars that was not the case this time in fact at the end of the race we had four west cars in the top five in this race but tony bridinger until she had her late race accident was top 10 all race long, solidly 6th to ninth most of the night. So could she have done a little better? Sure. But is she possibly turning the corner? And maybe we'll see more of this in the future. I hope so. I genuinely hope so. I, there's a lot of people that I think seem to think that I just don't like her and I won't like her no matter what. That's not the case at all. I want to see her do well. I just haven't seen her do well yet up until this race. And I was actually impressed with what I saw. And, and I truly do hope we see more out of her going forward. I, I do want to see her do well. And that equipment's been up at the front in every race. This Well, we've only had two races this year. But the equipment has definitely been there. And I do think that it was nice and encouraging to see her in the top ten for most of this race. I know Daytona's not really... I'm never going to judge a driver off of how they do at Daytona, ever, and Talladega. Well, I, I, will, I will say this about Daytona and Talladega. Up until this year, the cars, she, the cars, the Venturini Motorsports cars, have flat out dominated those races. And we're still fast this year. But last year at Daytona and Talladega, her team got on her multiple times at both races for lifting in the corners. That's one thing I, I will be very judgmental of her about. But this race, completely different. Actually ran really well in this race. 
And and that's the thing. And Venturini, depending on how you slice it, consistently one of the three best teams in this series. So you would expect that someone would run well in those cars. So I'm glad to see she finally is running fairly decent in those cars. Should it be a little better than that? Probably, but it's an improvement nonetheless. And I, I, I like seeing improvement. What do you say, rundown of results for ARCA? Let's do it. In first place, coming home with the win, Tyler Reif. Second place, Landon Lewis. Third place, uh, Bradley Erickson. That car did pretty well all race. I know the commentators are talking a lot about that one. In fourth place, uh, the first non-American in the field, Andres Perez de Lara. And in fifth place, Kyle Keller. You Sixth did better or... pronouncing his name than uh, everybody in the booth did. Oh, I know. That made me so angry the whole race. De La Ra. <laughs> De La Ra, yeah. It's, that's, it's definitely not that. Nope. <laughs> in sixth place, our boy Frankie Muniz. Seventh place, Connor Jones. Eighth place, Leland Honeyman. Ninth, Trevor Huddleston. And in tenth, Greg Van Alst. Another good race for him. Kind of got shuffled back towards the end of the race. But nice to see him in the top ten most of the race again. Yeah, should have been better than that. I mean, he was running about third before that final restart when uh, Landon Lewis kind of jumped that restart and uh, Arca didn't call it, uh, but that kind of stacked the inside lane up. So he kind of fell like a rock in those last couple laps, unfortunately. But good to see Tanner Reif rebound from that. He fell all the way to third after uh, the outside lane jumped a little early. And he was still able to pass both Bradley Erickson and Landon Lewis in the final two laps and come home with a victory. I mean, clearly Tanner Reif had the fastest car at the end of the race after you eliminate William Sawalich and Jesse Love and Jack Wood, but solid car nonetheless. I mean, he, he was fastest in practice, so it's not like it was a slouch by any means, which surprised me because that was a Chris Loudon-owned car, and Chris Loudon cars have not been generally very fast in the past in the West Series, so I didn't expect him to do much in that car coming into this race. He very much surprised me, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more out of him now. I I think we might have a potential star on our hands with Tyler Reif um, able to do something like this so quickly in his ARCA career. Time will tell. It may be a little early to be saying that, but I think it is definitely a, a possibility there. But back to Greg Von Alst. Um, yes, running third when that final caution came out. Should have done much better than 10th, but still a good points day for him, especially considering that Jesse Love had a bad day and Andres Perez de Lara and Frankie Munez were both kind of digging out of points holes from Daytona. So Greg Von All still leads here with a points lead by 10 points over Frankie Munez. Can you believe that we're saying right now that Frankie Munez is second in the Arkham Menard series points? That is wild to me. I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing on Frankie Munez at all. I love Frankie Munez. Um, but... That is not something I ever thought I would say is Frankie Munez is second in ARCA points. Dream come true for you after some of the things you said at the beginning of this podcast. What did I say at the beginning of this podcast? We were getting ready for Daytona for ARCA. You were pretty high on Frankie Munez. I was? You said you liked him. 
I said I would like to see. I, okay, no, I remember this now. I said I would like to see him do well, but I don't know. I have no idea what to expect out of him because well, I didn't know. This is what we can expect out of him. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, career best of six. He's continuing to improve. He got 11th at Daytona and ran, honestly, better than that at Daytona uh, and then ended up sixth here in Phoenix. So, honestly, solid start to the season. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually very impressed with what we've seen out of him to begin the season. I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility as he continues to get experience and get better. I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility that he doesn't win a race before the end of the season. And how wild would that be? Be a heck of a deal there. Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> I mean, there's already been a lot of focus put on ARCA this season strictly because of him. I mean, the amount of articles and videos and things that I've seen about Former Malcolm in the Middle star Frankie Munez is running in NASCAR this year. Can you imagine what that's going to be like if he actually wins a race? Be the Chase Elliott of Arca. Basically, I mean, he kind of already is. I feel like yeah. he's probably got more social media following than Chase at this point. Probably a little bit more personality, too. Uh, yeah, but... That, and he doesn't have a broken leg, I mean, so he, he's, I mean, already, he's already got a one-up on him right now. It's not hard to have more personality than a wet paper plate. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and a better personality than having a dad, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we're going to get so much hate for this. <laughs> I It's okay. I, I, I like Chase Elliott. I, I'm a big Hendrick fan, but holy moly, that dude is the most boring person to interview. He really is. I, I don't want to say ever because there's probably somebody worse, but... I Out of know. all the people to have as your star driver in the series, it's like, good lord. I honestly can't think of anybody off the top of my head that, that in NASCAR history that's ever had less personality than him. You're probably right. There's probably somebody, but I can't think of who it would be. Maybe, okay, down can't in the have comments. have a Hooter sponsorship and not have a personality. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay, so down in the comments or in the live chat if you're here on the premiere, tell us somebody that has less personality than Chase Elliott in NASCAR. In, in either current NASCAR or in NASCAR history. Let's start this debate right now. Who has the least personality in NASCAR history? I want to see this going on in the chat right now or down in the comments. I'm actually interested to see what people come up with because... I am too. I, for the most part, NASCAR has had a lot of personality-filled drivers. I mean, that's just kind of how NASCAR has always been. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the thing is, a lot of them... Even the ones that haven't had a lot of personalities, they've had big personality moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that Jeff Burton ever had a lot of personality, but he had that fight with Jeff Gordon at Texas. So like Jeff Burton would explode every once in a while. <laughs> he would. He really would. So and Chase Elliott gets taken out by Kyle Busch a couple times. And he's like, oh, let's go get him next week. It's like, really? Come on. The only time I can remember Chase ever having moments where he got fiery like that would be either when Denny Hamlin took him out at Martinsville in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. And somewhere and, around there. And then his and Kevin Harvick's little scuffle at Bristol a couple of years ago. Even that wasn't really a whole lot of personality. It was just no, that, some that, high tech bumper cars for the most part. Right. That was he did more flip off Kyle Bush. That was entertaining to see. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'll give him credit on that one. That that I did not expect out of him. So then, there was like, a little bit of personality after there. the race. He just took it back. It was like, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean to do it. It's like stick with it, man. I want to yeah. see a fight. Got to go to the Xfinity series for our fights now. Apparently. 
Yeah. This is just going to give Landon more fuel from the fire. One of our regular viewers, Landon, who's a big Chase Elliott fan that says, I hate Chase. <laughs> so this is just going to give him more fuel for that. I don't hate Chase. I just don't think he has a personality. It, I, I, I think he's a decent driver. I'm not going to say any more than that, but I think he's a decent driver. So I think it's I, interesting I don't... just like how little personality Hendrick Motorsports in general has now. You got Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, who like Bowman's big take is just, well, everybody hates me, so we'll make some jokes about it, which is funny. Yeah. That's not really a personality, but it's funny. Which William, I, William Byron, the computer nerd, I, I love William Byron, but <laughs> holy moly, that's not much of a personality. And then who else we got? Kyle Larson. I don't think he's really allowed to have a personality. For not anymore. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he's allowed to anymore. Um, yeah, that kind of got him in trouble a little bit. Yeah. Um, what? And the sad thing about Bowman is we've talked about this before, like a week or two ago. Bowman had personality in the past, and then all of a sudden he goes to Hendrick and doesn't have personality. So oh, yeah. that's I found the radioactive of Alex Bowman, like when he was running an '83 car or whatever. Mm -hmm. And was that the one I was talking about where he made the joke about Brian Scott? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it was funny to listen to, but now yeah. the, the corporate greed of I don't want to say that. I like Hendrick, but you know, you know what I'm trying to get at. Well, I, I don't even know that it's so much Hendrick as it is. You just got to stay very clean cut and professional for your sponsors, especially for people like Ally who said they weren't even going to sponsor Kyle Larson and they made him mm -hmm. completely change up all of Hendrick Motorsports just because they wouldn't yep. sponsor Larson. Yep. But apparently they really like Bowman. So he's doing something right for them. So, I guess or at least being, from what I've heard, they ha they being do. Being in the current mediocre half of Hendrick Motorsports is good enough for Ally, I guess. See, that's the thing with a lot of these sponsors these days is they don't necessarily have to have a winning driver. They just want to have somebody that they feel like is good for their brand. So it's not necessarily always about going up front and winning races and winning championships. It's more about somebody that can be a good spokesman for them. And I guess in Bowman's case... That's all they really need. Somebody that can be a good spokesman for them and can win a race every once in a while. So as long as he's got that going for him, I think he's got a pretty secure ride. Yeah, I don't think he has to worry about that at all, especially with the playoff format and how Bowman's been playing that the past couple of years. Get a win early in the season, kind of coast until playoffs start. Get one or two more wins and somehow you make it to the round of eight usually. And I don't know. It does give their sponsors a lot of airtime, though. Mm -hmm. I will give them that. And, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of these guys have figured out how to game this playoff system in terms of winning at the right times or just being consistent at the right times. You don't necessarily have to go out and win 10 races. Not not under this current format. I, it helps, but it's definitely not the guarantee of a championship that it used to be, um, which is its own discussion for another day. It only uh, even helps if you get deleted at one of the tracks in the playoffs, and then you just have a bunch of points to fall back on. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, so in that case, I guess winning a lot could be good, or at least even just winning a bunch of stages to get those playoff points to fall back on. Um, so, I mean, it is helpful, but again, it's not necessarily a guarantee, just like the <laughs> 2020 champion Kevin Harvick. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, that um, it is what it is. That's 
a whole nother discussion for another day. That could be a whole podcast episode in itself, talking about the uh, intricacies of the playoffs and what works and what doesn't. Spoiler alert. My I, Spoiler alert. I don't think most of it does. <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> Not today, at least. Mm. Um, well, let's kick it into the Xfinity series uh, this weekend. Sammy Smith coming home with the win this weekend. What a good result for him. Ryan Truex in second, another good result. Uh, he was kind of running down Sammy Smith there at the end of the race. Two Toyotas getting the top two spots. Two Joe Sheldon Gibbs cars. Creed in third. Huh, what's up? Two Joe Gibbs cars. Yeah, and Joe Gibbs doing pretty well without Kyle Busch and Ty Gibbs and all them and Xfinity. Nice to see them still hanging around. Sheldon Creed in third place. Riley Herbst in fourth. Another relatively quiet good result for Riley Herbst. I know there's a lot of different things circling around about Riley Herbst and his uh, effectiveness or lack thereof as a driver sometimes. Fifth, he got Chandler Smith. In sixth place, John Hunter Nemechek. Seventh, Austin Hill, who did really well for most of this race. Again, I thought he was going to win again this week. Eighth, Josh Berry. Ninth, Kyle Busch. And tenth, Daniel Hemrick. Okay, so first off, congratulations to Sammy Smith. Super happy about that. Sammy Smith is a great kid. Got to know him a, a, a good deal when he was in ARCA. Sammy Smith is, is a good dude, and I see him doing very well as he continues to climb up the ladder. That's a kid with a lot of talent and somebody that I think if he shows it, has a lot of personality too, unlike some other people. Um, but he, I think, is going to be good for this sport going forward, so good to see him get that first Xfinity win. Um, you mentioned Riley Herps and his um, his effectiveness as a driver, or as some people might say, lack thereof. Um, he's been solidly consistent a lot in Xfinity recently, my favorite Riley Herbst memory was when he was in ARCA, he was splitting the 18 car with Ty Gibbs the year before Ty went full-time in ARCA. So this would have been, I guess, 2020. They go to Michigan. At this point, Riley has only won one ARCA race in his entire career, and it was Pocono in, like, 2017, I think it was yeah it had to be 2017 because it was before i started doing anything with arca for rnn um the that was his only win up to that point and it was 2020 he goes out he's running second to michael self i think it was at michigan and they come in for the final pit stop and he is having a complete flip out on the radio just like i will not finish second again he goes out and wins the damn race <laughs> He was so mad that he was going to finish second again, and he refused to finish second. <laughs> Favorite Riley Herbst memory. Even if he never does anything in NASCAR ever again, I will always remember that and cherish that Riley Herbst memory. <laughs> That's good. That's almost like Chase Elliott when he started in the Cup Series. He kept finishing second and yep. showed his lack of personality. And you know, We'll get him next week and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But it's good to see Riley Herbst get some fire in him about yep. that. I probably would, too, at that point. <laughs> yeah, because that was the thing. Like, It's not like he ran terrible, but, I mean, if you look at how Ty Gibbs ran the next year in that car, he won like 10 races in the championship. I would say Riley definitely, for the most part, underperformed in that JGR ARCA car, but he's still... I would still... argue there we're kind of comparing apples to oranges, you know? I don't think Riley Herbst is 
anywhere near the league of Ty Gibbs, but I don't think he's bad, you know? No, I, I absolutely agree. And and that's kind of the point I was making was he wasn't going out and dominating and winning a bunch of races, but he was still fairly consistent. He was top five most of the time in that car, so he was at least up there. And he, And again, he would finish second a lot. And so I think that finally just got under his skin, and I think that might have even been his last ARCA race he ever ran. So I think that might have been part of it, too. He didn't want to go out with another second-place finish, so he's just like, I will not stand for this. I am going to win this race. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. Oh, um, so, yeah, shout-out to Riley Herbst. Uh, I have for... seen a little bit of development out of Riley Herbst in the past couple of years because I think when he first came to Xfinity, he kind of tore some stuff up and was really inconsistent. But last year he was starting to get – top 15s top 10s a lot and i think this year he's starting to get a lot of top 10s and a lot of some top fives and i think it's really only going to be a matter of time before he breaks through and finally wins an xfinity series race i think he's starting to put a lot of it together get a lot of experience and getting a lot better the past couple of years i think you're right and i think it helps a lot that he's now got cole custer as a teammate yeah. custer even though custer wasn't super successful in cup he's got that cup experience that he can bring back down to the Xfinity series now with him and elevate that entire team. What is what is that saying that high tide raises all ships? So bringing in Custer, somebody with cup experience and somebody who has been very successful in that exact same car in the Xfinity series in the past can honestly do nothing but help that entire program, both the double zero and the 98 cars. Yeah, and I remember a couple of races, I don't know, uh, probably two years ago in the Xfinity, just when I was casually watching, seeing Cole Custer do really, really well in that car. And I, I do agree. I think that'll help Riley Herbst out a lot. I think it'll help because uh, Riley Herbst hadn't had a whole lot of experienced teammates in the Xfinity series so far. I think he had Austin Sendrick sort of by affiliation with Ford the past couple of years because there's so few Fords in the Xfinity series. But I, I think having Cole Custer there will help him a lot and not even just being able to learn but helping the team out with setups I mean I don't want to say Riley Herbst doesn't know what he's doing with the setup but I do think Cole Custer being super competitive in that car the past couple years is going to have a couple tricks up his sleeve well he had teammates when he first came into Xfinity because when he came into Xfinity he was in the JGR car so he had teammates that way, but since he's come over to Ford and Stuart Haas racing, yeah, you're right. Last year, he didn't have a teammate, and I don't. The Penske Xfinity car didn't even exist last year, so right. I don't know that there even was any real, true, competitive Ford quote unquote teammates that he would have had last year. I think the closest thing would probably have been like Ryan Sieg, and I mean I don't Ryan think Sieg. Count that. Well. Ryan Sieg's been pretty decent the past couple yeah, of years, I mean, he, admit. he did make the playoffs last year, so, I mean, it's not like he's not been competitive, but at the same time, he's not quite on a Stuart Haas level either, so I don't know how much help that truly would be to helping elevate Riley and that SHR program. I think Cole Custer uh, coming in as back in as a second SHR car uh, is definitely a lot more of help there got a little talking point here are we ever gonna get over the junior motorsports beef this year they had teammates taking each other out again this week honestly i missed that so fill me in on that because i must have missed that part 
Uh, Josh Berry and Sam Mayer kind of got together. Some like Josh Berry is going a little bit slower than Sam Mayer thought he was going to be, and Mayer kind of dumped him in the middle of three and four. Phoenix is stupid, so I forget which <laughs> end is which. They mm-hmm. keep changing the where the start finish line is, but yeah, they've only and, changed it once. Uh, they have only changed it once, but you know, it still sucks. Yeah. It looks cool now. The cactus thing looks awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it changes the yellow when they throw the caution out. I think that that's cool. I love it when they do stuff like that. But just that doesn't help the racing product though. Put it back where it was. That yep. was not the problem with that. Nope. Track. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Anyway, you were explaining the uh junior motorsports thing. Yeah, it just seems like they're taking each other out all the time. And I think Late in the race, uh, Brandon Jones got into Justin Allgaier, too, and it just a whole bunch of JRM stuff getting torn up between JRM cars. Yeah, it, it seems to be an interesting team dynamic this year, which the weird part is there's only the only difference there this year is that they've got Brandon Jones instead of Noah Gragson in mm-hmm. the nine car. Outside of that, it's the same team. Right. So, and and really, last year, it seemed like the only, at least what you could see from the outside, it seemed like the only real issue in that team was that Sam Mayer and Noah Gragson didn't really get along. But outside of that, it seemed like they had a pretty decent team dynamic. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal with, with Junior Motorsports is this year. I don't know if it's just um, a lot of bad luck to start the season or what exactly is the real problem there I, I mean i wouldn't necessarily consider daytona bad luck i would still say that was more of justin allgaier being too greedy too soon and screwing over the entire team by doing that but um it doesn't help when you go full joey logano at daytona yeah that's true um that that definitely doesn't doesn't ever help it'll be interesting to see through the rest of the season i don't really think that the drivers themselves have a whole lot of beef with each other but it's just might just be a little bit of circumstance that the JRM cars keep finding each other in the same place, and it always happens to be a little bit of contact getting into there. each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, we'll see how it goes the rest of the season. See if they have some meetings and sit down and talk about it or what. But it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's been a very interesting start to the season for for Junior Motorsports. That's for sure. Um, so do we want to move on to the Cup race now? We should probably get moving on to the Cup Series. All right, Mr. Results Man, what do you got for us? Mr. Results Man, I like it. Well, two We're just going to change your name to Mr. Results Man. You're not Tyler anymore. You're just... No, you're you're Tyler Results Man. Your last name is Results Man now. You're you're no longer Tyler Tyler Guthrie. Tyler the Results Man. That's right. We're going to get your name legally changed to Tyler Results Man. You gotta put the in there somewhere. Tyler, the results man. Like that'll be your middle State, name. The Ohio State, the Ohio State thing. You gotta do that with the results man. That's that's gonna be your middle name. Or just call me Tyler the Creator. I that's fine too. The Creator. Yeah, like the singer. I uh, I must I be a boomer because I don't know who or what that is. You are. You're old. Don't remind me. <laughs> I like to feel like I'm still young. Don't make me don't make me feel as old as I am. You can feel however you want. That's not my problem. Well, yeah, but you keep making me feel like I'm a boomer over here. 
Doc you says I'm not a boomer, are. don't you? Doc says I'm still a very young, handsome man that all the girls want. Is that what he said? I think we might need a translator for Doc. I I think that's all. I think that's what he said. <laughs> no, actually, what he said is, I'm all you need. You don't need a girl. You just need Doc. See, there you go. And <laughs> I would believe that one, actually. That I Yes, I would 100% believe that. All right, let's get into the race results for the Cup Series at Phoenix. William Byron taking the win again. He did very well in the first stage. I think he led almost every lap of the first stage. Again, after dominating or sweeping the stages last week, didn't quite get the broom back out this week because Kyle Larson won the second stage. But another incredibly strong showing from William Byron. How about that Valvoline scheme? The Valvoline scheme was pretty good. I yeah. quite enjoyed that. Is that another $85 die cast for you? Maybe? I don't <laughs> know. It, it's not my favorite Valvoline scheme. Yeah. By a long shot. Right. But I do like William Byron, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to not buy every race win diecast this year. I'm starting. I'm not off to a good start there because there's been right. some good looking cars winning some races. Which after the horrifyingly hideous paint schemes we had last year, for the most part, it's nice to see cars that I actually would consider buying, regardless of Lionel pricing. That's a whole another rabbit hole of an yeah. argument there. Well, I think after one year of the numbers being moved forward. I think these graphic designers are finally figuring out how to make decent schemes with the number placement. Yeah, and Hendrick with uh, Lefty getting in there has been... They're better than they have been. Yeah. Uh, the, the Except for the Raptor com, scheme. The Raptor scheme, okay. The design of the Raptor scheme? Sure. Yeah. The color scheme on the Raptor... <laughs> scheme no yeah as a paint company i would be kind of horrified looking at that right <laughs> especially after we almost had the return of the rainbow warrior with the 24 car because... i feel like the i feel like this valvoline scheme is more rainbow warrior than any exalta scheme he's had oh, recently I agree. but the exalta scheme that he had in 2021 and for the first like two races of 2022 with the mm -hmm. the black base the black matte base with the red and yellow green and blue stripes on it i thought that was really cool mm -hmm. it was kind of a nod to 24 days of old with jeff gordon but also i'm not going to say futuristic but kind of modernized. modernized and yeah. it was a william byron scheme yeah after he had the jeff gordon flames for a couple years which is a little off-putting to me but it didn't even know. look as good as as the gordon flames did it just it was like a cheap knockoff yeah it, the colors pattern was a little different they had a couple that were pretty good but i think a lot of it was nostalgia too yeah because i think if you look at a flames car you're gonna see the blue and red 24 and just be disappointed because of how awesome that car looked for so many years yeah, which I've got a Flames Jeff Gordon diecast around here somewhere. His uh, 2014 Brickyard win. Tell you what, I finally 
picked up the Jeff Gordon 2007 Charlotte Department of Defense car. Mm-hmm. I had a 164 scale diecast of that when I was a kid, and we had a flood at our house, and that was the only thing I can specifically remember having before the flood and not having after. Mm-hmm. And I finally found it for like 45 bucks on eBay in 124 scale. So that will be coming, and hopefully eventually I'll be able to get a backdrop like Garth has and put some diecast stuff up there to make it look like I actually like NASCAR. I need to show you some of my recent eBay finds. I've got some pretty cool ones I've picked up on eBay lately, like a uh, Casey Mears 2004 SpongeBob movie scheme. <laughs> There's a certain somebody in my life that would not really appreciate you showing me all of that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is that, I, I is think, that the one that you put a ring on her finger? I sure did, but I think <laughs> we should be saving the money for other stuff than... Because you know I would buy some random Casey Miller yep. diecast from 2004. Yeah. Yep. We should not do that. Yeah. And we should get through the rest of the race results for the Cup Series. In second, Ryan Blaney. Another, I think that's like his first good result of the year, isn't it? Mm, Had like a top ten or so, but I think for the, it's been mostly underwhelming and not really entirely his fault. Third place, Tyler Reddick, finally showing some results in that car. Fourth, Kyle Larson, after I think he kind of got screwed a little bit in the middle of the race with his team and the setup. They didn't really follow the track as well as they could have because the fifth place finisher, Kevin Harvick, went blowing past him in the middle of the race. It, oh, yeah. Like he wasn't even there. It was nice to see Kevin Harvick doing well, but then, you know, we had a another overtime finish again what what disappointed me the most about harvick was he couldn't cap this off as his 10th phoenix win in what might have been his last phoenix win i mean we don't know what's going to happen in the fall in what will i guess be his last race ever but maybe he goes out on top with phoenix and wins that would be cool yeah that would be really cool I, I think, I mean, he did really well, so I think there's a legitimate possibility that he could do really well if he's still around for Championship Four. But yeah, that and yeah. that's the biggest thing. He's got to make it to the Championship Four. Well, but the I Fords think... have been really good at the mile-long flat tracks after they switched to the new car, so yeah. it, it's a definite possibility. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can do it and go out on top like that, it's going to be Harvick. I do think that'd be a really good story for NASCAR. Yep. especially you got a driver that's been successful for so long retiring and going out on top i think that'd be really cool to see i think he's one of the most underrated drivers in history like i honestly with what he's done at Stuart haas i think he should be in the goat conversation if he had been in equipment like that his whole career think of the numbers he would have put up and if he hadn't been held back by rcr equipment well and I, I'd argue even that just the level of outperformance he's had over his teammates at Stuart mm-hmm. Haas recently. I mean, you get Kurt Busch winning a race here or there just because he's Kurt Busch and that's what he did. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Kevin Harvick was really the only person competitive on a consistent basis at Stuart Haas, even when Tony Stewart was still there. Yep. No, you're you're exactly right. So, and and that just lends credence to I I truly believe that he. 
I, I don't know that he necessarily should outright 100% unequivocally be considered the GOAT, but I think he should at least be in the conversation because... Definitely definitely top 10 and probably top 5 all time. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, I would probably argue Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, and Jimmy Johnson, and Kevin Harvick would be probably my top 5 at this point. That can be an off-week or an off-season podcast episode in itself. We have a GOAT discussion to... Who's actually the goat and what order we would put them in? We got to dress Doc up as a goat for that podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he would love it, wouldn't <laughs> you? Yes, you would. We'll finish out the top 10 here. Sixth place, Christopher Bell. Seventh, Chase Briscoe. Another good result for Stuart Haas. Eighth, Kyle Bush. Kind of quietly top 10 for him. I, he had a couple penalties and fell back again this race. Ninth, Alex Bowman, and 10th, Josh Berry. That puts all 400 cars in the top 10. Yeah, not bad. Uh, much better showing out of Josh Berry this week than last week. Happy to see some improvement there. Um, I'll be interested to see what he can do moving forward. Because, um, again, as good as his teammates have been, once he gets used to this next-gen car, is he going to be up there competing for wins, too, once he gets used to this car and gets used to the competitive level of the Cup Series? Is that a possibility for him? We'll see. Will he be in the car long enough to get to that point? I, I don't know the answer to that either. I think Chase is only supposed to right now be out like six weeks, so I don't know yeah. that that's necessarily long enough for him to really get to that point. But you know what? I don't think consistent top fives for the rest of the time are out of the question, um, or at the very least top tens. So... I mean, Nothing he's against Josh Berry, but I cannot wait to see Jordan Taylor in that car at yeah. Coda. That's going to be I, awesome. I can't wait to see Coda, period, at this point. I mean, think about the names we've got already announced for that race. Jordan Kimi Taylor, Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button, yeah. It, two F1 world champions and... Connor I, I'm Daly. Not, yeah, and Connor Daly. <laughs> <laughs> two f1 world champions and connor and daly connor, hey i'm a big fan of connor daly and, i am too i we'll love see connor what daly in nascar but i liked him for a while in indycar i finally started listening to other podcasts and i think i listened to that speed street podcast a little bit too much in the past week yeah, or so it's a good but, one no um, connor's fun he, he's fun to watch race he's got a heck of a personality outside of the track and just one of those awesome IndyCar people that you just love to be around. Yeah. But I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he could do well in the Cup Series. And I think it's really encouraging to see different drivers branching out to different places. Yep. And kudos to their teams for letting them do so. Well, and when he made his Cup debut last year at the Roval, he did pretty decent. Better than I expected him to do in that 50 car. So I think as long as the money team doesn't bring him that flaming pile of dog that they brought him for Daytona, I think he can do pretty decent at Coda. And, I mean, he's got a decent amount of experience at Coda, doesn't he, in the IndyCar series? So he only went there once. Oh, is it only once? Okay. Maybe twice. Okay. Well, I mean, he's got experience Texas there at least. through a fit because Texas sucks and they decided that the Coda race was too entertaining and they wanted just Texas and I hate Texas. God. Yep. What a stupid track. I've heard rumors they're going to turn it into another Atlanta. 
like New Atlanta or Old New Atlanta. Atlanta. That's gonna be miserable for IndyCar. Yep, IndyCar probably just won't go. I don't think IndyCar could go. Can we just build a second Fontana? That goes back to the discussion we had the week of Fontana, though, is you could build another Fontana, but then you get who's Michigan. to say, yeah, who's to say it wouldn't be the that Michigan is? I mean, Michigan I, could be fun. Michigan has never been fun. Honestly, with the way the current IndyCar package races on ovals, I wish they would go to more ovals. And yeah. there's another thing that I heard Connor Daly bring up in his podcast, along with a couple other IndyCar drivers, is why don't they go to more ovals? I know safety concerns and all that, but these cars race well. It, even the Indy 500, I mean, for a couple years, it was... It's the Indy 500, so I'm always going to be biased <laughs> towards it, but yeah. for a couple years before they switched to DW12, it got a little bit boring. But now that they've got this new package on it, it's been racing pretty well. And I think Indy, with the way cars are set up now and how fast everything is, Indy's a difficult track to have a good race. And if you have a car that can have a good race at Indy, why not try more ovals? Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And it and it's not even Gateway just ovals. Gateway does not count. Gateway is not a good track for IndyCar. Jesus. Gateway, I don't think, is a good track, period. I've not seen it very many good be. races, it's even out of stock not. cars there. Huh? The the trucks are okay. They're okay, but uh, they generally don't race fantastic there. I don't. Like I can't remember the last good race I saw at Gateway, no matter whether it was ARCA, Trucks, Cup. I, I just I don't remember a good race at Gateway. I, I don't. I don't think Darlington. they happen. Hmm? Budget Darlington. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's basically what it is, and it's not anywhere near as good as Darlington. No, I, Darlington IndyCar might have had like one good race, but now they refuse to have night races for some reason. Same thing with the Cup Series. I I understand that the TV ratings dictate a lot of start times for this, but good lord, that track doesn't race good during the day. It it barely races good at night. Yeah. But I don't know. You you get these tracks in the Midwest, especially St. Louis. That place is hot in the summer. And yep. then they try to put all these cars on it in the middle of the day and it's just it's miserable. Nobody wants to be there sweating your butt off and it's hundred and ten degrees outside watching cars that aren't racing well because it's hot and you could just put it a couple hours later and it wouldn't be quite as bad, but whatever. Well, and, and see, back to your point that the current IndyCar races really well on ovals. The current IndyCar races really well no matter where you put it. I mean, look at St. Pete last week. If, if you have any doubts on that, I don't think it matters where the current IndyCar goes. For the most part, they're going to put on a good show, um, which is even more of a travesty as to why they don't have good ratings and not as big of a fan base right now as they should. Um as as an avid and lifelong NASCAR fan, I almost think IndyCar is better is a better product than NASCAR most of the time right now. That's not to say I don't still love NASCAR, but IndyCar is putting on a damn good product most weeks right now, and it's it's a shame they don't get any more of a following than they do. Yeah, I mean, if I want to sit down and watch a good race, I'm going to sit down and watch an IndyCar race. Yeah. I, there's a lot of good races in other sports. Well, not sports, but different categories but IndyCar I can't really remember the last time there was an IndyCar race that I was just like eh didn't like and guess what they can do that without stages 
without playoffs. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and every car is at least competitive. I think St. Pete, the whole qualifying grid was separated by one, maybe one and a half seconds between 27 cars. So what you're saying is they can do that without um, A.J. Moyers in the field? Yeah. That, they <laughs> even had a that Peterson guy that still within however much of the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. IndyCar is incredibly talented. And the fact that different people can jump into IndyCars and do well I, you know, it's just a heck of a series, and they've got so much stuff going on with the cars that a lot of other series aren't doing, like no power steering, still fly-by-wire brakes. It, it is the most entertaining series to watch, in my opinion. Absolutely, I would, I would agree with that. Most weeks, that is, and they're finally talking about expanding to different tracks. Finally, it only took like forever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think they kind of got pressured into that now that NASCAR is really changing up their schedule a lot. Yeah. And then they are going to change it up a lot more in the coming years, supposedly. They keep saying every year they're going to blow up the schedule and make it completely different the next year. And then lo and behold, there's only like one Same or two schedule. changes. Yeah, so... Well, I guess my frustration is, I mean, we live sort of close to Indianapolis, so Indianapolis Motor Speedway is always going to be my second home. But... And I, I love watching them race in and out of Smooth Speedway. There is not an excuse in the world for why IndyCar should have two road course races at IMS yeah. on the same configuration. If you put it on a different configuration of the course, we'll have that conversation later. You can't have two dates on the same, three dates on the same track. I mean, obviously, one's the Indy 500, but you can't have three races at the same place with a car that's that good and not expand your schedule. I don't get it. Well, I think their justification is one of those is part of the festivities of the month of May, so we can't get rid of that. I do love that idea. Yeah. And the other other one is their big NASCAR doubleheader weekend, so that's a big deal, and they don't want to get rid of that either. Right. I think it would be interesting if they used the old F1 circuit layout for the month of May race and then use the NASCAR style circuit for the fall race because can you imagine them ripping around oval turn one after coming out of the infield Mm -hmm. and how fast they'd be oh yeah even how competitive it'd be in the infield section with how little downforce they'd had to run to not get just blown by on the straights I think it'd be a heck of a deal yeah, I agree. I think that would uh, that would be cool. Um, we'll see if that ever happens, but uh, probably not. But it'd be no, cool. It would be. Uh, so you got through the results, didn't you? Yeah, we did top ten. Uh, not really a whole lot happened in the. Cup that was race. like twenty Harrison, minutes ago at this point. <laughs> Harrison Burton blew a tire. That that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, I mean there wasn't. <laughs> There wasn't a whole lot happening in the cup race outside of, yet again, another late race overtime caution. I I made a mention um, to someone late in the race that this feels like, um, have you have you played the NASCAR Heat video games? Which one? Any of them. Any of the recent ones. Any of the ones from 704 games. Yeah, Heat 4. Okay, so you're, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. 
every single one of those races, it's they've got it programmed in to where there's going to be a late race caution and you're going to have like an overtime restart. That's what it feels like right now. It feels like these are pre-planned every single week. I, and I'm not sitting here trying to be a conspiracy theorist saying that NASCAR's rigged and it's all on a script and blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, what I'm saying is it feels like NASCAR heat with these pre-planned scripted cautions at the end to produce an overtime finish every single week. Well, the worst part about the Heat 4 game is it, I, no matter what I do, the last pit stop is always awful. I always lose like 14 spots in the last pit stop. And then we go into overtime, and then I'm supposed to drive past the rest of the field in two I, laps. And I think the pit stops are intentionally like that because oh, I know. if you notice in the NASCAR Heat games, they don't show you the pit stops under caution. Uh -huh. You just go from the menu right back into... So there's no rhyme or reason as to how many spots you gained or lose. It's just all random number generator. It's just wherever they decide to plop you. There's no... It's it's has nothing to do with how fast your pit crew is, if they made a mistake, anything. It's just whatever RNG says, that's where you're going to be. RNGs just don't like you. That's right. Maybe some other time during the off season we'll have a podcast about all sorts of different racing video games and how F1 has the best video game series in racing. It doesn't anymore. And it's fallen off now that EA bought has, Codemasters. It has. But then the NASCAR games suck and the IndyCar games are uh, redacted because the last one came out like 2006. Well, the NASCAR games at this point might as well not even exist because they're being put out by a company that's just a scam. Ignition is absolutely unplayable. It is. And think about the fact that that same company is about to put out an IndyCar game this year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they're supposed to put out a NASCAR game this year, but they, last I saw, they don't even hardly have it started. They put out an SRX game. Not the same company. Well, it's not the same company, but still, you know. Yeah, that's, that's iRacing and Monster Games, which mm -hmm. everybody is kind of hoping at this point that mo that motorsport games folds and i racing and monster games swoop in and take the contract just i wish i racing could figure out their indycar contract yeah did you hear about that i did of, of all places to go for exclusivity you go to the company yeah. that is a scam i i right. I, I don't know what the thought process was there <laughs> I, and especially with all that iRacing has done for IndyCar. Yeah, they, they had a, a whole official series. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they do the iRacing Indy 500 every year, and now it can't be the iRacing Indy 500. It can be the 500-mile race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on mm -hmm. iRacing or some BS like that. I don't – iRacing I, has had the best IndyCar simulation since it came out. Forza doesn't count. Yeah. Forza's good. Graphics. Racing, not so much. Yeah, Forza's not really as much of a simulation as people want to give it credit for. It's a fun game. Oh, yeah. But it's not the simulation that people want to tout it to be. No. I, I enjoy playing it, but, you know, it's mostly because, I don't know if you were into Forza when they brought the Xbox One out, but holy crap when they brought the xbox one out with forza 5 mm -hmm. and 
the graphics and that were just insane. I remember I, that was the first game I played on Xbox One, and they had the IMS Road Course in it with the mm-hmm. Indy cars from that year. And I that was the first thing I loaded up and just blown away after playing the original Xbox. The only Forzas that I have played, I have played Motorsport Six and Seven, and then what was the new Horizon Five? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, the one that's in Australia, Mexico. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, those those are the only three forces I played. Horizon. Yeah. By a lot. Where was that one? U.S. Oh, was it? Okay. That wasn't why it was the best, but it is by far my favorite (laughs) of those. They, it was like Forza just planned out what they wanted to do with the game and thought about it for forever, and launched the game, and it was perfect. And then every other game, they were like, let's tweak it a little bit, and that's just... Yeah. It's the same game that somehow races worse. I don't get it. Yeah, that uh, unfortunately makes all too much sense. hot video game tags. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we, we talk about country music albums on here, we talk about paint schemes, we talk about video games. Are we sure this is a racing podcast? I, it, it's a podcast. It's whatever we make well, it to be. That's true. That is very true. All right, so we better get into predictions for this week. We've got Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks coming up this weekend from the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Trucks and Xfinity both on Saturday. Trucks will be at 2 p.m. Eastern on FS1, and Xfinity will be right after at 5 p.m. also on FS1. Cup Night will be race. on... Uh, maybe? Sort of. Now that we're into daylight savings time, I don't think it will no, be. That's true. Darn it. Yeah. So close. Yeah. Uh, and then Cup at 3 p.m. on Sunday on Fox. Tyler, Noon. who you got for trucks? <laughs> Noon. <laughs> All right. For trucks this week, I'm going to take Christian Eckes. I think he's finally going to break through and win a race. I will probably be wrong because I have been with every other one of my picks that's so far on this podcast. But I think I got a good shot this week. To be fair, I've been wrong with all of my picks, too. So it's not that you're doing terrible, or if you are, we're both doing terrible. So we could be terrible together. Um, but I agree. I think Eckes is a strong pick. Uh, I mean, honestly, the way he started the season, I think he's probably a strong pick every week. Uh, you could probably pick him for every race this season and be very close, if not the winner, every week. So... That being said, I'm going with the other driver that is probably the strong pick every week this season, and that is uh, the defending champion Zane Smith, who already has one win this season at uh, Daytona. And I think he will uh, back that up and pick up win number two for the season uh, this week at Atlanta. So moving on to Xfinity, which again will be right after the truck race on Saturday. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? got Riley Herbst. I think he's finally going to break through and quit getting second. I know he hasn't been finished second, but <laughs> finally break through, get get a win. He's been doing really well, very consistent so far this year, and I think it's just a matter of time, and this might be his week. You know, that's an interesting pick. Uh, last year, I would not have said that was a good pick, but the way he started this season, I think that is a fairly solid pick. I think it will be interesting if he is the first SHR car to win this year, and he wins before Cole Custer, 
that would be an interesting story, but uh, I don't think that's a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination with how he has started this season. I, on the other hand, am going to go with the tried-and-true pick that has won two out of three races this season, which means he's probably not going to go three for four to start the season. Uh, but I'm going to go with Austin Hill. I think he has had such a strong start to the season. He's been so good at Daytona, Talladega, and the Atlanta and these style of tracks since he's been in Xfinity, and even when he was in trucks, too. So I don't think he's anywhere close to a bad pick at this point. I think he has a very good shot at going uh, three for four to start the season, and wouldn't that be quite the story if he went three for four to start the Xfinity season? I think at this point he's probably everybody's pick to win the championship, too. I, yeah, I, I think you got to be probably living under a rock to not at least have him in the conversation at this point to win the championship this year. Moving on to the Cup Series. Tyler, uh, your pick last week was going to win until the late race caution, or this week was going to win until the late race caution. Who you got this week that's going to lose in a late race caution? I'm going to go with Kyle Larson because he's already done it twice already. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Uh, the Hendrick cars did pretty well this track last year, and I know William Byron did really well here last year and won one of the two races, but I think Kyle Larson's been doing really well lately, and again, another just a matter of time until he wins. Um, the Chevys have been doing exceptionally well so far this year, and we'll see. Maybe he'll lose in an overtime finish again because NASCAR. You say the Chevys have done really well to start this season, but I would contend that it's not necessarily the Chevys as a whole. Yes, Kyle Busch won at Fontana, but I think it's Hendrick Motorsports that essentially has been the ones to start very strong this season. And even more specifically than that, Kyle Larson and William Byron have been the two that have been head and shoulders above pretty much the rest of the field this season, even their HMS teammates. Alex Bowman's kind of been in the picture, kind of not depending on the week. And then Chase has been gone for a couple weeks now. And even before then, like he was kind of in the conversation, but kind of not as well. So we'll see what he's like when he comes back from his broken leg. But um, right now, I think it's, it's Kyle Larson and William Byron that are kind of the two consistently week in and week out that are just fantastically amazing right now. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. And that is why I am going with William Byron to win three in a row. Yes. I think William Byron goes uh, three in a row this week. He won this race last year. He is very good seemingly on the new Atlanta I don't see any reason at this point. He's got all the momentum. I don't see any reason why he can't go three for three right now. He is on a very hot streak right now. And even before he won the last two races, he had a very strong start to the season before that. I don't see any reason why he can't win again this week to go three in a row. If he wins this week, I might go and buy one of those giant <laughs> hats that he's been wearing in victory lane recently. <laughs> I'll consider there you go. it wear it on the podcast maybe i don't even know what you're what hat you're talking about you're gonna have to show me a picture of that because i apparently have missed that oh, i don't know it's like it's like this freaking big on his head like a foam cowboy hat yeah it's not a cowboy hat. it's like just a giant baseball hat but even jeff gordon is wearing one of victory lane today with him hmm 
Okay. That's interesting. I guess I didn't notice that. Um, yeah. That. Hendrick personality, big hats. That's right. So, yeah, remember this. Next week, if Byron does win and Tyler doesn't have one of these big hats on, he's he's a liar. We got to wait for shipping. You can't expect me to have it here like six hours after the race ends. Okay, fair enough. So two weeks from now, if he doesn't have a giant hat on his head, he's a liar. Don't believe anything he says. Don't believe any of my picks so far this year either. Cause, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could use that argument for me too. So We suck. We do. Very much so. So but... we got Cup and Xfinity and Trucks all at Atlanta next week. Uh, Formula One at Saudi Arabia if you would like to watch a parade next week. Uh, no IndyCar because we're waiting for the misery of Texas in a couple weeks. And I don't... Arca next week? No? Nope. All right, well, that's our predictions for this week. The drivers you can expect to do terrible this week in this race. So um, keep that in mind as you're watching the race. If those are your favorite drivers, don't expect much out of them this week. But I think that's going to do it for us this week on the Rookie Stripes podcast. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the racing from Atlanta, and we will see you Next week, same time, same place, 6 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday for the video version on RNN. And uh, it seems like Tuesday has been the normal day for the audio version going out. So if you're following the audio version, that should be when it goes out. But again, I'll try to get it out sooner than that if I can. But seeming like Tuesday is the day for that right now. So that's going to about do it. So at that, I'm Garth. That's Tyler. And this is the Rookie Stripes podcast on Racing News Now.